Now broadcasting live via so Ustream loud. or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, and that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I didn't get slapped. Thanks to your mom, mom is here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? <laughs> it doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Uh, <laughs> not wearing a mariachi suit. I don't know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bag and Boardcast, episode number 85. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you. Kind of weekly, <laughs> in four ways, the first of which being The Week in Geek, where we talk about our top nerd happenings of the past week. Then we bring you the list, the books we're looking forward to coming out this week on Wednesday, June 8th. And then we go into our main topic, which is our monthly look back. We got three number ones that we're taking a look at, and uh, then we follow that up with our always favorite movie fix. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Oh. What are we talking about in the movie fix? And like the number ones, we're going to first class. That's wow. right. X-Men. Wow. First did, class. If we didn't record this last night, I'd be so looking forward to talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did it get any better when he slept on it? No, actually... <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, okay. A um, little spoiler for the this end. Is gonna, this is going to be spoiler for the movie fix. Um, I was just completely out of it today, and I just, I really think it's because X-Men First Class just totally sapped my will to live. <laughs> I just thought all day, I was kind of like stewing, like, it was not a good movie, how is it getting good reviews? Why do people like this? We described two scenes that were good. Yeah, we just, that was it. Did there was like a whole, like, yes. hour and a half of shit that just was shit. It makes me want to take a drink. <laughs> it's a good thing. Speaking of drinking, we have a growler from a uh, one of our local breweries. I'm proud. So I, went to, I went to the Paul McGowan School of Segways. <laughs> so proud of you right now. Southern Tier Brewery. This is their Gemini, which um, is a blend of an IPA and one of their ales. I yeah, it's a common. I know it's the Unearthly. Unearthly, which is their an IPA. Of theirs. Yeah, I don't remember what the other one is. With a. Uh, Another beer. Because uh, we haven't growled. We don't have the bottle in front of us. Yeah, we don't have the bottle we, in front of us. It's just a glass of Two-thirds of the podcast went to the brewery. With Another friend, third of us, you know. With friend of the show, beer. Ed. You guys remember Ed. He's great. Paul, Paul was doing a service. He was out uh, helping an he election. He was canvassing. I was canvassing for an election, helping out another friend for the podcast. Exactly. There's a whole lot of friends of this podcast. A friend not, of ours that's not really a friend of the podcast because he's never been on. No. Therefore, Ed has, though. Ed has. Ed has. I've been help, I helped out Ed's twin. <laughs> <laughs> they look nothing alike. Yeah. And sure. you know what? Uh, these two, the ale and the unearthly, taste nothing alike. And Gemini's, of course, it's a twin symbol of uh, the constellations. Fact. Wow. So many twins in our lives. This beer, Ed. Matt. <laughs> huh. The um, Minnesota Twins. Ah, uh, the only time they were good was in the movie Little Big Week. Big Week? Fuck you! <laughs> no, we all yeah, like you don't call uh, me yeah. out all the time. Big League, or was that the Minnesota? Yeah, but twins? you know what you say when we call you out. <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah. Or I don't call people out on that. 
Am I thinking about the right little kid <laughs> baseball movie? Yeah. Little Big League? Little Big League. Was, was that the one with the Minnesota Twins? We should have done this it's, in our like sports the, movie one. It's yeah. definitely not Angel in the Outfield. Oh, God. That's no. the Destin Angels. Angels. The Cubs were with... That, that was the rookie of the year. Yeah, the rookie of the year. Was we, it the Giants? I don't know. We no, did not that, touch on this in our favorite sports No, that was the Little Giants, and that was football. football. Which was great. One of Rick Moranis' best. Unsung movie. One of Tom Arnold's best, too, by the way. <laughs> not the yeah. true lie. That is the true lie. Oh! Uh, but Gemini. Gem- Gemini, it's it's uh, a mellowed, a mellower IPA. Um, yeah. It is very good. We were discussing that it is even better right at the place this growler has been sitting around for a couple of weeks. So I mean, it's it's not as fresh as it could be, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think you lose a little quality when you have a growler and you don't drink it right. Honestly, like maybe two hours before this growler was poured. We had it straight from the tap at the brewery where, well, they brew it. Mm-hmm. It's um, true, they do. Amazing. At the yeah. brewery. And that's at the brewery. And that's one of the reasons this was one of their <clears throat> higher-end ones, so I paid a little more money for the growler, which I had no problem with because it was so amazing. And, I mean, not that it, this isn't a good beer, but it's not that same... Quality it doesn't like just pop, and you just yeah. you go, wow, this is amazing. Which and honestly, when my mom found out we were going to the beer tasting there, she was like, "Get me a bottle of the black, and get me a bottle of the uh, unearthly. unearthly." And I was like, "Okay, like, so you know, half of this, the unearthly, is a solid IPA, like, and I think it shines through at the, especially at the back end. The end, oh, it just leaves you with that IPA mouthfeel." It, yeah. Having this makes me want to <clears throat> go track down the unearthly somewhere. Now. I mean, being southern tier, it's pretty readily available in these parts here. Um, Western New York, we're like what hour away from hour away from yeah, it's, uh, it's out in Jamestown. Yeah, we're like we're just south of Buffalo, and I it's got me salivating for that IPA. I want it. Yeah, it, it's good. I, I'm a big fan of their brewery. I'm really glad that we have such a really good, strong brewery so close. Mm-hmm. And then we're not that far from Ithaca either. No, no Ithaca it, it, is a very good one too. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the other? Uh, we had their um, barley wine, which also was fantastic. It wasn't as heavy or as harsh as most barley wines were at the beer tasting I held. We had it. You you liked it. You were very yeah. pleasantly surprised. I know. As much as I was. I can't remember the name of the brewery. It was I Southern Tier. Oh, it was Southern. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was talking about I thought it. you were saying there was another brewery. No. We're having this problem a lot, you and I. But we're, having, listening, we're having some miscommunication. Yes. It's okay. To what you're referring to. We're both idiots. It doesn't matter. You've got to stop dangling them. <laughs> you know what? When we went to the tasting, I did kind of take notes like, there's a lot of decent breweries in like the western New York area. Yeah. I mean, we had Southern Tier. There was Elkinville there, Ithaca, Paps. Empire, <laughs> Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> Paps wasn't there. Tennessee, Sorry. yeah. The only one that was it was they used custom, to be local. custom, custom, and then um, Three Heads was there too. Yeah, but we had just sampled them like. Maybe like a month and a half ago for the podcast, so we didn't go. But yeah, three of theirs. I, I feel like we're in prime, yeah. like craft brew territory here. Yeah, and we didn't. I mean, we our actual 
right here in our hometown, the uh, Flying Bison. Flying Bison. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm surprised um, that we don't have more breweries that actually get up into the you know southern or Ontario region. You know. Yeah, I'm. That's kind of shocking too. Because it's like a hotbed right here on this side of the of the river of the lake. I yep. uh, yeah. There Canada. are uh, a lot of small microbreweries up there, but we don't see them. Labatt's yeah, and Molson make it so hard for them to export over here and just to brew in general. Uh, uh, next time we go up to Canada or Toronto for anything, we need to yeah I'm do like a road show and like I, find something from me. <clears throat> um, you go into the beer store. <clears throat> up there because they can only sell beer in a beer store especially outlets so you can't sell it inside grocery stores up in Ontario or convenience stores it has to be in liquor markets basically that's why there's a beer store on like every other corner mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I never see a micro like on the listing it's all 24 packs you know large honestly like, orders and it, I've only been in a beer store once and it's like a brand I've, name I've never been to one I think we have our next bang board field trip. Uh, but I, I actually I went to a beer festival in London, Ontario, where there were a lot of microbreweries there, mm-hmm. and it's top notch quality. There's a this one called Heritage Brewery, which was like the best, um, one of the best Indian pale ales I've had, a best red, and I'm not a huge red fan, and I was oh, blown, I, love, I was blown away. I by love it. reds, and it's just this guy who does like microbrewing out. Of like out of his like garage almost. Mm-hmm. He's just like, what? And just I, like a, I believe he was actually he was English, and he was like, I just love beer, and you know I talked to him for a little bit, but they're saying I'm because he was English. Yes, not Canadian. <laughs> not that French Canadian bullshit. No wine sippers. They wouldn't drink brew beer. They're busy sipping wine. But there there are Canadians. some great out there. You just have to. <laughs> you just That's have to really. French Canadian. You just have to really look for them. I always imagine Captain Crunch is French Canadian. I don't know why that is. The Just mustache? Have look about him. Yeah, maybe yeah. the mustache. And he's a dick. He cuts your mouth open and oh. he to eat a cereal. So, well, he does it to protect you from the soggies. It's true. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm not full of soggies. No, you gotta say it like a French Canadian. <laughs> you don't want the mouthful of the soggies. No, no, you don't want, want the soggies in your mouth. Not the soggies. I, I feel like my French Canadian basically just because we're doing a bad like voice for Gambit. I don't know. <laughs> eh, mon ami. Eh, mon ami, mon, mon cher. <laughs> <laughs> for a second, I thought you meant Gandalf. <laughs> No, yes, I, mean, I made no mention of people not being able to pass anything during that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But uh, I think that's going to lead us out of our beer into our first. The big news with the Week in Geek is DC Comics launching fifty-two new titles that are going to be coming out in the beginning of September. Check out. Um, check out after this episode, we're going to be doing up a not episode, episode 85, where we're going to be discussing that because we had so much to say about that. But the other news for the Week in Geek is something that is Paul's baby, which is our summer movie blockbuster... Summer movie bracket buster. Blockbuster bracket buster, yes! Yes! I don't know how I can still say that. So, do you want to talk about the brackets? 
Uh, just, yeah. quick. just a quick update on the brackets. Um, We've got opening weekends for uh, four of the... And I'll, I, actually, we got the two weeks also from, well, basically, the two weeks from Pirates and also Hangover 2. So, in the first bracket, we had Pirates of the Caribbean going up against... I don't have the bracket in front of me. It was a small little movie that nobody went to see, and I can't even remember what it was. I, I, just, I just looked up. Um, I only wrote down, like, the... Oh. Yeah, but uh, Pirates went up against... I'm forgetting. Hangover was two was going up against Thor. Surprise! And yeah, yeah. Paul, Kung Fu Panda Part Two. I made the bracket. I should you know this. You made the bracket. You should know this. Anyways, it got crushed because Pirates basically doubled it. Yeah, you're looking at 47 million from Pirates, or I'm sorry, from Kung Fu Panda Two up against the 90 million from Pirates. So that moves on to round two. Kung Fu Panda Part 2 came out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Apparently. Not in that way, though. Oh. Oh. But I, I honestly... <laughs> you you wrote even... for first class, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote for X-Men first class. I, I didn't. Credit. <laughs> I didn't even know Kung Fu Panda was out. Yeah, I know. How sad is that? Uh... Not as sad as the opening box office for X-Men First Class, but we're not talking about that yet. And the well, other, right yeah. in the same May bracket, you have Thor going up against Hangover, Hangover two. 2, Part 2. Thor, really good, strong number for a Marvel movie. We talked about it before. Kind of top five. 65 million. 65 million. Hangover? 85 million. On opening which weekend. shocks me. Not including Memorial Day. Because... I haven't heard that much about Hangover 2. Mm-hmm. I know they're going ahead with a Hangover 3, yeah. like they're starting scripting on yeah. it, but like I just heard a couple people being like, oh yeah, Hangover 2, it was good. I saw it. It's all the same jokes from Hangover Part Hangover 1. Yeah. Just, That's what I heard. It's, it's yeah. just the first movie over again. It is. Different situation. Hardly any different situation. They're not in Vegas. Yeah, they're in a different city. and, and Different city, penis. same situation. More penis. A lot uh, more penis on screen. You love the penis, though. I don't love my penis. I love my penis. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, almost every night. <laughs> uh, that's that's hangover. shocking for me. Yeah, eighty-five. Yeah, eighty-five million. Eighty-five million for Hangover. Moving it on to round two to go up against Pirates, where we compare their gross over the two weeks that both movies have been out. Now we can say safely, calmly, and with level head. Uh, that we're not hungover, but Hangover 2 moves on over Pirates. Which is a shock. Where did all Captain Jack's rum go? Where's Apparently all the to the Wolf Pack. The uh, Wolf Pack drank it all. Yeah. I, I think when you go... This is just me, like, you know, movie mm-hmm. fan. When you look back over time, the Pirates movies are going to have much more of a shelf life than Hangover. Yeah. But that's not what this is all about. We're looking at the money. The mm-hmm. stacks of cash. The summer movie blockbuster buster. And, and Hangover 2 might be that buster. I mean, and buster. just to mention, because uh, we will be talking about it later, X-Men First Class, $56 million opening weekend. Will it beat Super 8? Uh, I, I feel like Super 8 has a lot going for it, just Except with that ass. Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams name up on the marquee. Hate their ads in DC Comics. You hate their ads in DC Comics, but the trailer for it, all inspiring. The teaser trailer. Yes. Do you like the long trailer? I like the long trailer. Yeah. So now with the guy from Friday Night Lights, 
Yeah. As a share. Yeah. Skip. But yeah, a little bit of a summer movie bracket buster update update for you guys. So if you're playing at home, you now know the standings. Are you in? Are you out? Let us know. Contact baggingboardcast.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should get into our main topic. Who's, we should do skimming the, the list. list. Oh, the list. Let, let's not got the list. We're going to do a lightning round style. The book you're looking forward to, and that's it, June 8th. And who's going to go first? Birds of Prey. Paul's going Birds of Prey. A little bit, you want to say a little bit about it? He said title only, that's it, lightning round. You can do a gist. Yell Simone. Question and the Huntress hanging out together. Boom, all I need to say. Moriarty number two. Really? All I'm going to say. Giving it up on the main topic. I wasn't going to say that. Okay. Uh, I'm going Vertigo Resurrecting. Sandman Presents Petrifax, number one. It's a graphic novel reprint of a Mike Carey miniseries from years ago, based off of a Sandman story. It's got me, Sandman. Right. I thought the Resurrecting were stories that were not printed before. Nope, this was this was printed. Um, this is the first time being recollected, ah, though, okay. since it was original published. Man, that was a lightning fast lightning fast. Oh, we so blew through that. I feel like I... Man, we were on point, and we were flashed. We flashed through that, much like our books that we're reviewing from May, starting with issue number Pog. And that brings us our first number one of this month's look back, and that is Flashpoint number one. Jeff Johns, Andy Kubert, Sandra Ho, and this book. It's hard to... Okay, where do you go with this? All uh, right, it is... Summarize. Alternate universe caused by Professor Zoom killing a... Alternate universe or change in time? Uh, uh, alternate... Time. I, I went more alternate universe because he made mention, like, I've always wanted to kill Barry Allen. And it was like an alternate reality. That alternate flesh- dimension... Barry Allen that he was able to kill. Which but when I think that in the DC universe, I always think of a, you know, world... Elseworlds? Yeah, or 50... There's 52 different universes he can be on. This is New Earth that he's still on. What did they describe in the show Sliders? That was parallel, parallel worlds. Alright, so uh, it's a parallel world now. It's a total shift in the world, so... It, it, no, because this is still in... If this was Marvel, it'd still be 616. If this, in the DC Universe, it's still New Earth, or Earth One. You know, so it's a change in the time stream. It's the change in But it's only happening in the Flashpoint books, not in normal, regular books, right? Yet, all the regular books are having the tie-ins. With Flashpoint on? Yes. Because the DC Universe is here... I don't know. It's and especially since what we talked about in our not episode. Are <laughs> we? <laughs> uh, everything in the DC Universe jumps out of this. I don't know. So so what do we want to say, guys, about this? All right, it's a... Barry Allen wakes up in, in the DC Universe where the past has changed. And he's the only re- re- one that remembers how it used to be before somebody went and meddled with the time stream. And we all kind of know the person that meddled with it is Professor Zoom. Okay. 
and he suddenly realizes that he needs to figure out what happened, and he knows there's only one place to go. Batman. Yes. Paul, Paul's even like dramatic. There's only one place to go. Well, I don't know if we want to spoil where he went. No. But, I mean, but issue, he knows this, this book's been out for more than a month now. Issue number two is already in yeah. the stand. So I feel like spoiler territory. And you see the cover with him and Batman. And also, he realizes, he slowly realizes this is a different world because his mom's still alive. Iris is with someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, he never met. He doesn't have any powers. Yeah. He never became the Flash. Yeah. So there's a string of events that are different. We're not sure exactly what changed. You know, we don't know what the catalyst was. Other than, you know, Barry kind of figuring out that, oh, well, if my mother never died, I would have never been so driven to become a forensic scientist. But he's still... A forensic scientist. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm like, well, that doesn't make much sense. He doesn't seem too good at the job because he was sleeping on it. But he was staying up late working on a file. Which makes me think, well, then he would be staying up late working on a file where there would be a lot of chemicals when a lightning storm happened. But that doesn't happen. Yeah, but apparently it didn't happen. So there's a lot of questions that, along with the, along with Barry Allen, you're asking the same questions. Exactly. You're very much in the shoes of Barry Allen, where you, you're in this new world, universe, dimension, whatever. Aquaman's sinking Europe. Yeah. Wonder Woman's taking over, with the Amazons taking over England, calling it New Mascara. The world is the brink of war and utter destruction because of everybody, and there is no Justice League. Cyborg's trying to put it together. Mm-hmm. With heroes that would more likely kill themselves, kill each other if they met, yes. than actually work together. A very ragtag. It's it's not your typical Justice Where League. Where is Superman? And, and that's what you're going to be getting throughout all the Flashpoint who is times. Batman? Who uh, is Batman? So, so, so let's discuss. Um, Paul, I'll, I'll kick it over to you because you're Probably the biggest Flash fan out of all of us. And this is very much a Flash-centric event. And you finished out Flash by Jeff Johns, where we both dropped it, and we were the ones super crazy about it when it started. Or not finished out by Jeff Johns, though. Because he left the book before the Flash actually ended. Um, The thing I kind of dislike, it's I think it's almost... DC Universe caught the 52 sickness, where they decided it was much more interesting to explain why characters are important when they're not there, than explaining why characters are important while they're there, and showing us while they're important. Mm -hmm. 52, you had, this is why Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman are so important, because when they're not there, all this kind of happens. So they're kind of doing the same thing again with, let's take the Flash out. What if he never happened? The wonderful life Flash version, Barry Allen version. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, when you're, you're not telling it in the monthly books, so you're making those monthly books less important. Also, you're reintroducing characters that have been dead for a while, did not have their own book, like Aquaman, and explaining an alternate version of Aquaman. And getting readers used to those versions before you get the real, quote-unquote, I'm doing bunny ears, by the way, uh, Aquaman book. I I think it's just 
misplaced storytelling. It's not it's less interesting than showing Barry Allen actually in the real DCU and showing his relationship with the real DC real again quotes DCU characters. And that's the problem I have with Flashpoint. Uh see I see it as you already know everything about these characters. Now you have a military Aquaman where he he sank your you know, he sank it. He's been gone so long. I don't know his relationships with these other characters, especially since he's had such different dynamics with the characters. He comes back into Peter. Uh, I I think all where he, he whispers. I think all constantly. you need to know about Aquaman is he was, you know, half human, half you know, half Atlantean. Quotation marks, and where he. You don't need quotations, but... No, I know. Because yeah. Paul kept doing it. I <laughs> well, just wanted the to real character, no. you know. Yeah. I, no, I know. But you know enough... Of, you know enough about Aquaman. Anybody ask about Aquaman, oh, he's the prince of the sea. He cares at the trident. You know, people know enough about Aquaman that like, oh, this isn't Aquaman. Look at him. He's got a brush cut. He's got scars on his face. Does he's he have one super, hand or does he have a hook He's super arm? militaristic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but there's been so many interpretations he's, recently. He's the protector. He's the one who, and the same thing with Wonder Woman. He's the one who's tried to bridge the gap between two worlds, mm -hmm. being an Atlantean and trying to be a human and being who? a hero. Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Oh, don't, you, be, a, don't be a dick. I'm trying to I you. I mentioned no. I'm getting to that second okay. point. If you'd shut up and let me finish instead of cutting in, I let you talk, Paul. That's right. <laughs> I let you talk. You have a person who's between two worlds. Mm -hmm. Now he's just that one world. And he's military and he wants the ocean all over the world. He wants to own everything. Wonder Woman of two worlds. She was supposed to be sent as an ambassador to the humans and to the Amazons. Now, just an Amazon. Mm -hmm. She never had that bridge. Now, what does she do? She's taking over the world as well. Those two are colliding. All these other superheroes coming together. You need to. You already know enough about those characters that you know that these this world isn't right, and that's what this book is about. And Flash is in the stuff. Flash Barry Allen's in the middle of it, going, "This is crazy." Yeah. This world isn't right. Mm -hmm. I, everything, even with what's up with Batman, not right. It's not right, and then you find out why it's not right. Well, we don't. Where? Well, you know why Batman isn't right. Mm -hmm. yeah. You find out at the last page what is different about it. So, I like the I like the book. I like where it's going. You don't what? Not a, no offense to you. Mm -hmm. It's what you took away from the book. But what you said, I don't think you needed any of that. You know, anyone who picks up this book knows enough about the DC universe to know that this this world is is haywire. Right, and you want to see where it's going. This book requires that you know a little bit about the DC Universe. You have to know who Barry Allen is. Mm -hmm. You have to know who Batman is. And who about these characters are, like Cyborg, you know, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. You have to have, like, a little bit of knowledge, like, who they are. And that's it, because it's completely different. Like, everything you knew before, mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter, because this is who they are in this Flashpoint world. Um, and as someone who lost interest in the Flash books, 
this had me. I didn't order these issues, but after reading one and two, I've I've got three on order. Like I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, because everything you knew before, it really doesn't matter. It helps to have a knowledge of mm-hmm. what who these people were to kind of put stuff into context more. But if you go in blank slate, I, I feel like this does give you enough to work with. Like, you could ask anyone on the street, oh, who's Batman? Well, Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you can you can read this book. Because it doesn't matter what else has happened before. What happened happened, to quote Lost. <laughs> um, you can't you can't smirk at that, Paul. I have no idea what you meant, so um, I'm like, you guys are quoting Lost again. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really wish this is what they had done with the Flash book when they started coming out with it again. This is kind of what I wanted from Barry Allen coming back. Something big, something bold. Give me something more than just like, uh different time. I'm from the future, yeah. solving a crime. Well, we, we all hated that. That, that wasn't good. Like, this... Well, it lasted too long. Yes. Like, shit's on the line here. Like, Barely On wakes up completely different world from what it should be. And he's the only one that knows that things are wrong. So, you're in the DC Universe, things are wrong, what do you do? John said, you go see Batman. And then what do you do when Batman's wrong? <laughs> you get your ass kicked. You get your ass kicked. Um, I don't... I, I really... I really dug it. This this struck a chord with me, like more than I thought it was going to. As did I. I I I mean, like I mentioned in Chris, like oh, I can't wait for Flashpoint to be over because I hate flipping through the solicitations, going oh, it's another Flashpoint thing. But like in Flashpoint two, I want to now pick up Deathstroke number one. Like I want to pick those yeah. up because I want to pick I, up Pirate. You want Pirate Deathstroke's kind of cool. He's got Clayface on his. You know, as yeah. one of his men, like he's got those different villains working for him. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And then he's like, "Oh shit, we went too far. We got to get out of here." Yeah. There. Oh shit, we're in Paris <laughs> <laughs> because Paris is sunk now. You just see the yeah. Eiffel Tower sticking up. I, I, it's not sunk that deep. It's not, it's not that deep. But I'm. It's People submerged. It's submerged. But yeah, I'm. I'm kind of right there with John. Like, it's flirting with that. Like. There's enough different with it that it intrigues me. No. It, I'm I'm more interested in picking up those one-shots coming out of it from okay. reading the first two. And I know we're talking about one, but come on, the end of number two? Yeah, it's it's been solid. I feel like both one and two have had solid cliffhanger moments where we're like, oh, man, they're really... They're, Playing for keeps on this, yeah. And and in so far, what like other people complain about is Flashpoint. You don't need to really read those other no, one shots. It's self-contained in this book, and a lot of people always complain that it has to be like with Blackest Night. You had to read Core and Green Lantern and Blackest Night to get the full story, right? Yeah. Because it was so big and epic. Where this really is nicely contained in the book. After those, those other ones are just side things that are fun to read. Yeah. After reading the first one, I had that moment where I was just like, man, I kind of want to pick up these other miniseries coming out of it. I might not keep reading them, but I'm intrigued enough to want to check it out. 
not because I need to know the story, but because it fleshes it out. Like, the Marvel family. It's not just like, you have All Captain Marvel, characters. you have, like, like, Kid Marvel, Mary Marvel. The five characters. You, you have... All these other characters that together equal Captain Marvel. It's not just Billy Batson anymore. Each one has a one of the five powers or one of the five deities. And when their powers combine, they are Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Who's fucking scarred and just like I want to tear shit up? <laughs> they call him Captain Thunder though. They do. Which I mean, like in, in it's a in, way to get around in the lawsuits. In number one, uh, that was the break like that breakout character moment that. I would like to pick up the, the thing for coming out of this. Second book was the the um, Deathstroke one. Yeah, the Deathstroke one. Also, like the, one, two, three, four, five, six. just the uh, six characters. I think those two go together. Yeah, Takatani right. and two, the three, other one. Four, five, six. He's one, right? Or no? Yeah. The skin. Yeah. Back. Well, one, you. Two, I, three, I feel four, like you five. also had those um, two go together. And I, I feel bad blanking on his name, but the kid that was Osiris was there too. Um, no, no. That's Freddie. That's Billy Batson. That's Mary Batson. Don't no, know but they they, they call him by name in this the book. kid right here. <laughs> yeah, visual pop, visual pointing out. I'm just looking at visual. I'm gonna actually look him up. But I think it happens after that. But yeah. even like the stuff with Cyborg, like he's the hero that's trying to call everything together. You have representatives from the Secret Seven there. Which are which the, is almost the mystic ones from. It, it's the, very much like the shadow path because mm-hmm. you have enchantress there. Um, you have the outsider who's metamorpho, who's kind of a business ba- asshole from India, based off of uh, Grant Morrison though, by the look of him. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Captain Cold. Yeah, the, the Citizen, Citizen, Cold. He, Citizen, Citizen Cold. Citizen Cold. The stuff between him and Piper. not to be a dick. <laughs> the stuff between him and Piper, like. I, I wanted to pick up that book. Like, it's the, it was in, interesting enough that I was like, I want to know more about this world that in the long run isn't going to matter. Mm-hmm. Like, come September, all this stuff that we're reading in Flashpoint, it, it's it's not going to matter. But there's they're, enough here. They're fun stories with the characters that you like turned on their ear. Mm-hmm. But like I said, my problem is we don't learn anything more from these characters since they're the alternate version of these characters. But uh, the one book that I would pick up from Flashpoint, especially learning what we learn about Batman, is definitely Flashpoint uh, Alfred Pennyworth. Especially the solicitation of the butler did it. (laughs) Flash fact. You can check out that solicitation only at bagnaboard.com. But I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I mean, it's a fun from, story. From my side, it, it's a thumbs up. It's definitely, definitely really glad. Um, Chris said, "Oh, I picked this up. It's really good." And I was like, "Oh, all right." And I read it, and then, and then <laughs> Wednesday he goes, "I went to Don's. Here's Flashpoint number two. And I was like, "Thank you." Got to read it right back to back. No, I I, I read that before mm-hmm. before I get to that. Uh, this is this is what I like out of a Jeff Johns book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it's big. There's a lot happening. It, it draws you in, and the the artwork's great too. Like I wish 
Andy Cooper could do more stuff. His brother's back at Marvel. He's back at Marvel now? Yeah. I, dude, we were in Philadelphia Born when at the DC uh, panel when they announced that Andy and Adam Cooper were DC exclusive. Like, and it was just like one of those moments where like, holy crap, they've only done Marvel stuff. But th- this is a great looking book. Yeah, and, uh, it is. The one thing I don't like is when sometimes he uh, draws characters where it looks like their eyes have rolled into the back of their heads. He he does like the very square kind of faces. There. Yeah. Um, not, not as much as John Romita Jr. does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I like is everyone, like their faces have a different, different shape. shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do love uh, Sandman. Yeah, the yeah. old Sandman being there. Well, I, don't know. I I really enjoyed this more than I really thought I was going Who to. Who is this supposed to be? That's Blackout. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, who in normal continuity? Don't know. We don't, don't know. know. Okay. I, well, I don't know. Wikipedia might know. <laughs> but I don't know. I I enjoyed this more than I thought I was going to. I wasn't going to pick this up, but then I was like, eh, I should probably pick it up for something to talk about. And I, I'm really glad I did. I'm, I'm really glad you did as well. Now, another book that kind of takes... I think all of these kind of take the character and put it a little bit on their ear is, is Marvel's relaunch of Moon Knight with uh, Brian Michael Bendis writing... Mel V, who I don't know... Al- Alex Malev. Malev. On uh, pencils. And Frequent Bendis collaborator too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the art in this is really I really enjoy the art in it. Mm-hmm. But um, you have kind of the beginning of where it starts with the beginning of Moon Knight and then kind of moves into the main story. And Paul, you picked this up. What? What? Well, I picked it up because you were going to pick it up. It wasn't and I that. figured it was <laughs> a number one. You know, I'll, I'll pick it up because Jam says he's interested in it. And you ended up... I thought I had ordered it, I had it. Ah. And uh, so I picked it up, because I was interested in seeing how can they redeem Moon Knight. Because they, critically, Moon Knight, the last series, was actually... What, was it Guggenheim that was writing it? People seemed to like it. It was really well received. And it was supposed to take Moon Knight more as the mercenary mm-hmm. in the Marvel Universe... And in this, I mean, he kind of is. He's, um, in the beginning of the book, Spider-Man, Captain America, and Wolverine come to him and kind of say, hey, we need you to be working on the West Coast, on the West Coast for us. And because they completely forget about the runaways. <laughs> but go ahead. Um, well, you know, what else was, Moon Knight was very present in the first five issues of Secret Avengers hmm. with um, Steve Rogers leading that and having him as, as one of his is, is hitters. And then all of a sudden, Moon Knight completely gone, which I imagine was because he was having, getting his own book again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, like I said, I really like the artwork in this. Um, except for this page, it's not a huge, wordy mess that you get from a Bendis book. It really has a pretty good flow to it. Um, a lot of action scenes, pages where it's just action. Um... I, I don't know. I, I'm never impressed when I see uh, Hyde. Yeah. Um, Only when you see Joe. <laughs> but it was. It's a decent book. I don't know if it's got enough for me to want to pick up 
um, a number two, especially right. especially the ending. I kind of was like, uh, hmm, really? I would have liked it to have had like a mentor, and then five issues down the road, see that that person isn't real. But the, I think the most interesting thing is he's going after this like kind of high syndicate in, on the West Coast, uh, fighting Hyde because, and he stumbles upon an Ultron being rebuilt or repaired, which has always been a big menace for the Avengers. Yeah. So hey, it's a good thing he has the Avengers to back him up until you get to the end page reveal, and we're gonna spoil it because I think that's. I feel like we should have spoiled Flashpoint 2. Book's been out. <laughs> I think we were meant to, but we just never got around yeah. to it. Yeah, we kind of were. Uh, Bruce Wayne died in the alley. Thomas Wayne's Batman. In the Flashpoint. In the Flashpoint number one. Mo- but Mo- in Moon Knight number one. Moon Knight number one. Captain America and those guys aren't even there. It's all in Moon Knight's head. Yeah. So everyone that was there saying, like, we need you on the West Coast. We need someone keeping an eye on things. Mm-hmm. They're not there. It's just Mark Spector... Well, being Mark Spector, he's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Which and you kind of see him have that when he in the beginning when he's about to die and his girlfriend runs in and tells him not to die. It's almost like it's maybe the I don't know Moon Knight Force or or whatever whatever it's supposed like, to be you? guiding him to do the right thing or to do what the Moon Knight should do. Right. Like oh, you, you got to live and become this kind of person, you know. So. The thing with Bendis writing is sometimes he just likes to poke fun at his uh, long-time readers, especially with this panel right here. Not like this. Really? Hawkeye reference. Not like this. Um, that That's what Hawkeye says when, yeah. he kills, when Bendis kills him off in uh, Avengers Disassembled. He says, not like this. It, there it is again. To me... What would keep me on this book would be, alright, you're going to do this gritty Moon Knight taking on this crime syndicate, blah, blah, blah. Do I want to read it done by Bendis? No. I, I want to read it by Brubaker or Ennis or even Ellis. Like Those guys would be the char- the writers that would keep me on this. This seems really outside of what Bendis has been doing lately, which maybe is the reason why mm-hmm. it's not as wordy as it is, it's got a nice little flow to it. Maybe this is what he should be doing mm-hmm. versus all this heavy-handedness that he does on his other books, but it's not bad. It's worth a pick up if you like it. Continue on. If I hear a little bit more word of mouth that the rest of it is really good, maybe I'll pick it up and trade, but there's not enough there to keep me going for a number two. As someone who's never actually bought a Moon Knight book or really even read one, mm-hmm. I wasn't intrigued until the very end where it's revealed like his whole mission of being the Watcher of the West Coast is just him being crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, there, there wasn't enough here for me to be really into it. I wasn't struck over the head with the whole, like, oh, this is a Bendis comic Mm -hmm. while reading it. It's a pretty straightforward, like, okay, this kind of shit's going down. Oh, Moon Knight pops in, he's going to stop it, book. Um, Like, the first probably, like, five-eighths of it are your typical straight-up Marvel superhero book. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's not until the very end where it kind of gets interesting. And that last three-eighths of the book are what I enjoyed the most. Like, I was reading the first few pages of it, but there was enough there that was like, I want to keep reading, besides the fact that, like, oh, I need to talk about this tonight. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Maybe if I was more of a Moon Knight fan going to this, there would have been a little bit more excitement there. Are there such a thing? I I feel like... I feel like there should be. I feel like there is, too. I've always... Since he appeared in Spider-Man, like, I've always liked the character. Mm-hmm. And, like, when we mentioned, when I mentioned this before, like, I've always... Because I've heard such great things, like, those previous trades of those books and what they did with them were supposed to be fantastic. I so, could just never get over the fact that he was a superhero whose powers waxed and waned with the moon. <laughs> So it's like, why would you even try on nights when there's like no moon at all? Yeah, oh, I you're think, just gonna get your ass beat. I think with the the relaunch that happened before before this one was it was more him just straight up mercenary, really not to do too much with the moon powers. Why won't you be Moon Knight then? I don't know. Brand I'm not exactly sure. Brandrick McShane is a bitch. <laughs> why would you call yourselves heroes for hire? Brand, brand recognition. Yeah. Why would you switch your names after having such great pull in the crime world when you had such a great, powerful name like Moriarty? School of Paul McGowan. <laughs> School of Paul McGowan. Do I introduce this one too? That This, this is your you, baby. You bought this book. I introduced all of them. Alright, uh, Moriarty. No, Paul did Flashpoint. No, I started Flashpoint. You tried. And then Paul was Paul's like, Paul's like ah, I think that's a parallel. No, no I no, thought it was a parallel. parallel. Shift in time. Shift in time. Paul's, no, Same world. But Paul segued into it. Okay. Really, that's right. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll like walk over does. you if you want. You I oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm giving a flashpoint to Paul, but okay. More, <laughs> I don't want a flashpoint. Yeah, flashpoint's your baby. <laughs> You got uh, Moriarty, The Dark Chamber, uh, Image Comics, number one, two ninety nine price point, which is very, very nice. Um, you you start this book, and this book, this... The other one is worth $3.99. <laughs> yeah. um, this book is a tour de force. It's a big book. It's your normal-sized book, but it feels like so much happens in it. And it really focuses on a older Moriarty who, after the incident uh, in the Alps, where both he and Sherlock Holmes are supposed to have died, he actually comes out of that not being continuing to be a criminal mastermind, but actually becoming what his old foe was, which was a detective, and a lesser one at that. Mm-hmm. Not that he isn't always planning and calculating. He lives by a certain rules. Three of them. Three of them. Um, but you see him take on this case as an evil mm-hmm. genius who is detecting. And he has all those great contacts he, he, and all those old favors to call upon. Yeah, and especially like, um, oh, what's his name uh, from Oliver Twist? The uh, famous. Oh, uh, Fagin? Fagin. Like Fagin and his boys, like who is who are just like goons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, there's there's all these really great moments, and he's after this case, which has a lot to do with uh, Sherlock Holmes's brother. 
and in the beginning, I was just like, wow, it's so heavy. There's so much going on. And then it just picks up, and I'm like, wow. At, by the end of it, I was really glad that I picked it up, and it's also why it's my pick for next week. I'm really surprised because the one thing you complain about Bendis books is it being really wordy. Well, and not, this book, it's very wordy. It's very wordy, but not Bendis books. It's not that it's, it's just wordy, but it's wordy and nothing happens. See, I feel like there's a lot of captions in this book where it's just exposition over exposition. Yeah, but you have to learn what exactly this Moriarty character is about. Exactly, and I, I think. I think, I mean, this book is really just all set up, and I mean, after the next book, you'll really know exactly where it's all going, but even though there is a lot of exposition, I mean, you're you're really, like, it's a comic book, but you're really reading something, you know? It's, it's more than that. You know, it's a, it's a really, it's a big story. It's a very big story. And I really wasn't expecting that when I picked this up and started to kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. But I really did enjoy it. Um, you did enjoy it? I did. Okay. Um, honestly, not enough that I'd probably pick up a second one, but on its own, I feel like it's a solid book. And I, I can see wanting to pick up the next couple, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, a little too wordy for me, I guess, because I felt like I did so much reading just to get the story that happened. Yeah. If I picked up issue two, would you read it? If I gave I, it to you? I'd probably skim it. Yeah. I, I'd kind of just go through and read the dialogue captions, or the dialogue balloons, not all the captions. Um, I feel like Ruse has filled this niche for me. Especially since you get a kind of more fun interplay between the main character and Ruse and Emma. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Are you continuing to pick up Ruse? Yeah. I pick, just picked up the third book. Um, I, I still haven't grabbed those. Like, I just haven't seen them because I didn't order them. Yeah. Uh, Moriarty, it is interesting to have Sherlock Holmes, but with a different morality. But yet again, he's playing Sherlock. It's him being Sherlock Holmes in, but being, you know, well, the, the, the difference. The whole, slam. like, um, Sherlock Holmes helped the police solve crimes where Moriarty helped the criminals be criminals. Yeah. Like, those those were the two sides of the coins that were Sherlock and Moriarty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to have him step into this world. But, I mean, he steps into... He's now playing both sides. He's, instead yeah, of he's one. playing both sides, and he's using all his he's using all his contacts that he made before to help him solve these crimes, to lesser, to varying degrees of success. Like you get the you know standard comic book trope of Asian girl knows how to use a sword. Well, the um, I want to say flying dragons or whatever they're called in this are actually a syndicate from the series mm-hmm. from the books, which were. Which Moriarty did help. He was behind in one of the Sherlock Holmes cases. Yeah, I just don't have much to say about the art style. It's, you know, very scratchy, very, you know, uh, sketchy. A lot of lines um, to, you know, actually insertating. I, I liked it. 
I think it. I think it fit the book. Yeah. And yeah. It fit the time that this is supposed to be happening in. Right. You know, so. you don't. You're not. You don't want to see Andrew Kubert doing this. You want to look like right. this. It's a, about a man who lives in the shadows, so it mm-hmm. is in the shadows, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the art really did fit the story well, which, above all, is important for an artist. I mean, storytelling is great, but if you have really good storytelling that doesn't mesh well with the story that's actually being told, yeah. it's just not going to work. And I think it really did fit well. It does have that kind of noir styling like readiness you you're reading about back alley dealings in london your art is going to have to match that and i feel like it really does yeah which who does this um i do we mention who wrote and drew it maybe you can read that better than i daniel Corey uh was the writer and anthony Desute. Desute? 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 french i don't know and I actually have to say this with all three books. Like, the art fit the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the Moon Knight book. Uh, well, it's been, it, it's been just in believe. I mean, they yeah. worked together for so long, especially on, like, Alias and Daredevil. Yeah. It should be, like, second nature. And Kubert and, uh, Kubert and um, Johns. Yeah. I mean, that book looks great. And I think this definitely fits it. Moriarty, The Dark Chamber. John will venture on. Oh, okay. I, it's, it's, it's my type of book. That I do like, and and yeah, for being a wordy book, I'm surprised. I'm surprised I didn't get really bored with it. But I hate wordy books. I am a very big Sherlock Holmes fan. I have a I have two thick books of Sherlock, or, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes books. I just watched the new adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. I I like these. Oh, characters. the one starring Bilbo Baggins. Yes, which is on Netflix for instant watching. That's yeah. I. I it's Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. And he also plays uh, Watson in a modern day talent show. Oh, and Holmes. Okay, the BBC. Three, yes. Three uh, episode series. It's four. Is it four or three? Mm. I think Maybe it's three, it's three it's and a half. They all kind of tie in together. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. You actually see the flying dragons in it. Cool. Right. Speaking about All Right. Maybe. (laughs) It's going to head us into the movie fix. It's not all right. (laughs) Hi, this is Kyle Stevens. And this is Jim DeMonacos. And we're a Kirby Crackle. And you're listening to Bagged and Bored Podcast. And we're here with this week's movie fix. Um, We're actually doing this a little out of order. We're recording... Right after we've seen a movie fix, which is X Men First Class, the Matthew Vaughn uh, directed uh, uh, X Men prequel. Prequel. Thank you. You're welcome. I was trying. I was trying to figure out if I should call it a movie or not. Um, I want to use the word abortion a lot during this. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> but we have to agree, or do we? <laughs> well, let's let's set up the premise. Yeah, the premise is it's. Imagine yourself in the 1960s, and uh, imagine you like to go to the pub a lot, and one of your friends who's studying to be, get his doctorate is uh, is Charles Xavier, who likes to drink a lot, and uh, suddenly there's a threat by another group of mutants led by uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw, Shaw, Kevin Bacon. The guy from Footloose. 
and suddenly uh, Charles Xavier is drafted by the CIA. Not MI5, not MI6, but the CIA to uh, bring down this new group uh, of terrorist mutants who are leading the world to the brink of war. Be because nuclear bombs will create a sustainable, like, atmosphere for mutants to live in. Because <laughs> they are the children of the atom, as Sebastian Saw says, like, five times in the movie. As he's fingering a uh, nuclear reactor. I think yeah. that's just a lie because he knows it'll make him stronger. And that I, he, he's just playing on uh, I think that's you trying to... <laughs> Just poor logic. Give this food. movie too much. It doesn't need it. It's just yeah. hor horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I I went in with really low expectations, and somehow it still didn't live up to them. It it was just bad, and I don't get how this movie is getting really good reviews. <laughs> I'm I'm dumbfounded. There's there's a lot of unnecessary everything in it. From the time I walked in until the time we left, it was all unnecessary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, <laughs> we we cannot get gonna, over what gonna, we saw. Like, okay. <clears throat> when I count to three, John, you're going to move your opinion out of your I, mouth I, like, and into the to, mic. All right. So, Eins, <laughs> <laughs> no, Dry. Alright, I have to put my finger up to my temple to get this one out. You're going to call it first class. You should have Xavier and Magneto working together. And it does. It uh, does. And it, and it does. Mutants and people you want to see in there. Uh, McTaggart. Okay, Moya. She, she should be there. Mm -hmm. Beast. Yes. Yes. We're not going to get into the visuals and effects. We're talking story points, so far. Right? And okay. Banshee. Banshee's always kind of been... They've always had him as one of the older ones, somebody who's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. Those guys, all right, I can see that. Havoc? No. Uh, should we have the White Queen, Emma Frost, uh, as Sebastian's right hand, as an, older, as an older woman? When we saw in Wolverine Origins, her... And Scott Summers at the same age, uh, in that factory, in that mutant camp or whatever. What year did that happen in? Like I, that I time machines. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, but then, I see. But I never then, watched the X Men uh, Wolverine Origins. But then yeah. you have Wolverines. Scott Summers' younger brother as a teenager. In it. Like it's just that doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. And it seems like they were trying to really make sense of this one. Like, Paul was. <laughs> I don't know. When, when you're first introduced to young Charles Xavier, he's going to Oxford. He's studying, like, studying genetics. genetics. He's hanging out at the pub, having fun with his kind of adopted sister, Raven Darkholm, a.k.a. Mystique. Wait, who I didn't mind, because in the movies, she seemed to be with Magneto a long time. Yeah, I, so so I could I understand her being there. And honestly, when we're just talking about the roster, like when we first saw pictures and I heard the roster of mutants, I'm like, how are they going to work them all to be in the X-Men first class? Like, being X-Men. And luckily it is, like, 
two groups of mutants working against each other. It's basically pre-Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, just now called the Hellfires Club. Uh, just one thing, okay. And if you're going to have Sebastian Shaw, you got to have Emma Frost. You do. Truth. Then they should have thought of that before they threw her in that shithole of a... Nobody's thinking about these movies, though. They they aren't. And that's like... I mean, the first two X-Men movies, they were thinking about these movies. They had people who cared about the project working on it. Are you saying that Jeff Loeb screwed this up? I think uh, Fox screwed it up when they thought they could just turn him out for Well, isn't that what Jeff Loeb is supposed to be doing now? He's, like, in charge of, at Marvel, to, you know, oversee... You supposed to be. I, I, we talked about this like mm-hmm. few episodes ago now, but I think this was pre all the that. Yeah. yeah, this. I mean, I, I, an article I read, Michael Vaughn mm-hmm. or Matthew Vaughn, like went out to say, like, this is not the movie that I was told I could make. This is a movie that they said, okay, you can do this, and then the studios kept coming in. All right, we need. We moved up the date. You need to get this done. You, can't, you gotta change this. You can't do this. And like I said, this. it seemed like there was a couple, like, because January Jones is in the movie and she's also a big star of Mad Men, where they're like, oh, it's the 60s, so we should get that, some womanizing in there from Mad Men, because people love Mad Men. Give me some ice, babe. And the CIA is no place for a woman. Yeah. It, uh, sexism. Sexism. Oh, no. I, I, I can't say enough about this movie. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a good way. Because every time there was supposed to be a laugh, it was more of a groan. Yeah. Well, that, oh, especially right at the end when uh-huh. the whole audience just went. And they literally—that's <laughs> what they did. Sad. Everybody was asking them not to. I <laughs> and yeah, they did. the the beginning of this movie. Parts of it seemed a bit forced, but it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Like, the very beginning, like, when you're getting to know Charles. And I'd say maybe the last quarter of it, when you have, like, the action scenes, that was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But it's when they're trying to do the story and develop the characters, it's... No, this did not work Characterization at all. Characterization was handled a little bit better than X3, where in X3 what we got was Magneto reading a clipboard of the character, of who they were picking up and what their powers were. This seemed to happen a little bit more organically with the kids, you know, you know hanging out and be like sitting around yeah, and talking and about like what they, yeah. what shit they can do. Yeah, which seems cool because like who doesn't? I I have to say probably my favorite part of the movie was something I've always really liked is the character of Beast, the little like thirty second transformation scene you have with him where it is very Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. That's when, they it. when I saw that I was like, oh, cool. But then you but, saw him. But then you see everything else, and you're like, no. Then you see him, and he's still wearing those glasses, and he just doesn't look right. No. I, I think I said it to Chris a, a little bit ago that he looks like the blue bad guy from the first Power Rangers. Like, the makeup looks almost exactly the same, and it's like a shitty kid show from Japan. You know? <laughs> it's like, ugh. And you're going to do a big-budget movie like this, just do the whole thing in CGI. You know, why not? Well, because they don't have to put that money into the budget because they can cut on it and people are going to see it and that's more money they make. Mm-hmm. They can reuse scenes from the very first X-Men movie <laughs> and use the same 
you know, a clip of Cerebro being used from the first X-Men movie. They they reuse shit in this. Yeah, it, it, it just really was poorly done. Yeah. You, I mean, you can kind of tell that there were too many hands in the pot mm-hmm. mixing it about. And um, I know there was a lot of people saying that they didn't like the Magneto helmet, the, the blue-gray helmet. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked good on Magneto at the end of the movie. Well, at the what, end of the movie. What, what I have a problem with was the monstrosity that was the red helmet. <laughs> and okay, I get you're trying to make it look more and more like the comic book. Well, if that's the case, why don't you take a storyline from the comic book mm-hmm. or stick with that continuity? That red well, helmet. Well, they don't, they don't have to. No, that, they just but, need to give the, but, the nudge the, to the, the comic book the fans. Nod, but that, that red helmet was over. just was just that was like the shittiest thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. yeah they, it they took the double it, horns yeah and they took it way too far because that's not necessary I like I like the clean rounded look of it just the uh, I don't even know what to call it like the flare on the front of it mm-hmm. that Magnus yeah. always had like it, it worked in that setting I was like wow you know what I don't know why they didn't kind of go with this helmet in the first one like maybe they're trying to legitimize it too much mm-hmm. but it, it did look really good yeah so you think the red helmet might be the situation where the people that were in charge of the film took the fanboys on the internet a little too too hard to like uh, exactly in X three where they gave us because I'm the juggernaut bitch line where where they overread the internet and I, be like no no we, we love this stuff well That's I think like it was you. more a case of like no Magneto's head. Her helmet is red and purple. Like, let's get to that. That'll be cool. Because they did have it more in the... I don't want to say original movies now, but I mm-hmm. guess I kind of have to. It did have that kind of reddish-purplish tinge mm-hmm. to it. So I feel like this is kind of them crossing that gap. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, eh, see, it works. And it just doesn't. Yeah, it didn't. It felt very flat. And then, like, he comes in, you know, he comes in to recruit... Spoiler, you know who gives a shit? Because you sh- you shouldn't see this. You movie. should not. Don't do um, it. He comes in to get uh, Emma Frost out of out of jail. <laughs> Did you need the rest of the, the team, team standing in the doorway? Like, huh? You gonna join us? Remember us? We're the people that just defected. Uh, the, the two of us uh, were your friends from before. Hi, waving. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a family field trip, John. Uh, the Brotherhood of <clears throat> Evil. <laughs> travels together, stays I, together. I will say, um, I did enjoy the cameos. I talked about this when he walked out of the theater. I don't want to spoil them just here. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of fun. And I always like seeing Ray Wise and stuff, too. Because he played, like, the one government guy. I don't know who he was supposed to be. And then Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt. He's always himself. They never explained who he was. No, he was just some guy working with the CIA. He, he was. Yeah, he doesn't uh, even he, have a name. He's cast as like mutant stuff. He's <laughs> like he's called like Mister Black or something like that. Yeah, they. I don't think they ever told him anything. They don't. I'm trying to think. It would yeah, have been. It would have been nice to have seen him like, oh, we're under attack, to him like plot a ray gun or something because he was supposed to have been working on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was just guys no, in black suits getting was, dropped around. It was just beast that worked on everything there. Yeah. Because he created the plane and he created that and so Oliver Platt was just the bureaucrat that gave him money, I guess? I don't know. He was Mr. Warbucks? Uh, can we just talk about how was this movie getting good reviews? Why are people saying they liked it? Have they never seen a movie before? 
is, is, is that what the world's coming to? Like, underground vaults just opened up after the Cold War, and people were like, let's go see a picture show. And they're like... Hey, you won't fall off three. I think that's what happened. These special effects are great. That man looks beast-like. It's... How there's nothing about this that says good movie. I will tell all my friends about it. Uh, pacing? No, it was way too damn long. Uh, and I, felt it. I love uh, that you have like these workout, you know, the, all the mutants uh-huh. getting their powers together. Yeah, and like, they've they, had one week. They, yeah, they, I don't. Well, they, they did it in a montage, so that's like a month training time. But but you have a. Uh, it starts out with um, Magneto and Magneto and Professor X talking, mm-hmm. and Magneto trying to get Xavier to shoot him in the head. Right. Which was she done? <laughs> uh, then you go through all this whole, whole montage, and then it goes back to that beginning segment where it gets him to, to move a sonar dish. But what I love is right after that, they're like, oh, the president's making an announcement. And then Magneto is gesturing in a living room with, with a gun. gun. Like, that was one of the funniest parts to me. I was like... <laughs> he just likes walking around with it. It makes him feel safe. <laughs> we gotta do something about this. Like, just drink with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked the absorption with Sebastian Shaw. Where he actually moved... The way they showcase his powers, kind of? Yes. Oh. I did like they used that. a mirror effect, where it was just... Yeah, I've seen the same stuff on, like, people's webcams. <laughs> yeah. They just made it shakier. <laughs> Very Matrix-like. <laughs> but I thought... And, and then how he, you know, he expelled his power. Like, when he absorbed the... <laughs> he expelled his power all over the movie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm trying to pick out things that I like. I did like seeing... Spoiler... I did like seeing uh, Charles Xavier getting capped. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was probably... Yeah, and I thought that was done in an uh, Didn't way. think he needed to have that wheelchair, though. That would have been nice to... It's have. a 60s wheelchair. <laughs> I don't know. Just like a regular wheelchair from yeah. the time period would have been fine. Well, it was designed by, you know, the worstiest, fanciest person in the 60s. It was defined... Beast? Yeah, <laughs> Hank, Hank McCoy. <laughs> No, I was thinking Frank Lloyd Wright. You know, that's a Frank Lloyd Wright inspired uh, wheelchair. Right oh. there. It's uh, arts and crafts right there. Um, man, what did I say right after the movie? This movie, I've never uh, grown so much without a stomachache. Yeah. <laughs> this movie made me feel telepathic because I knew which lines were coming. It... You guys are not G-men. You're something more than that. I'm like, please don't, movie. Since they no. call you Professor X... Like, one guy did that. Like, one time. And remember, everyone was like, no, that doesn't work. They'll call you Magneto. It wasn't It wasn't one person, it was Mystique. <laughs> so, I just also, like, brass can crush diamonds? Like, I thought, I thought Emma Frost was impervious in her diamond form. Uh, she gets crushed. She gets crushed? Yeah. Hmm. But not by brass, you're kind of right. But he was strengthening it with the electromagnetic force. So therefore it had, you know, it was tougher. Because all the things were aligned. I would have liked to have just seen her gone, like, straight, like... Oh, she's shimmery, like she didn't have to... Brass brass can't be magnetized, right? I don't know. I think maybe it can. No, you can just control all metal. Oh. Doesn't have to be made. I just 
I don't even know Magneto's powers right now. I'm so I, confused. Like, he's going he, he's Master of Magnetism. Master of Magnetism. Who looks anguished and pouty? I don't know. I, I feel like um, I just had his name, Michael Fassbender. He did okay as Magneto. Like, I, I, bought, I bought him as like that man out for revenge. I, I even enjoyed James McAvoy as Professor X. Um, you killed my mother, so, you know. I agree with you 100%, Chris. But you killed my mother. But you killed my mother. I see what you're doing here, <laughs> and I'm going to take your ideas as my own. But you killed my mom. Yeah, so therefore. It's just, I don't know. Magneto killing Nazis in the very beginning was good. Yeah. That was good. That was good. You know, he goes to the bar and he's like, hey, my parents didn't have a name. They were taken away by a pig farmer and a tailor. Awesome scene, right? It was very good, yes. That was very good. Hey, found one thing. Um, the, the cool like the cool thing with him throwing the knife at the guy and then pulling it back out uh-huh. with his magnets and <laughs> stabbing their gun hand. That was cool. That was a that's, cool little flare. Yeah. I think that's when everybody left. I think that's when the reviewer said, you know what, this is going to be good. Yes, all right. We can still go out and get Subway. I'm about to eat fresh. This podcast is not brought to you by Subway or anything. I just, that was right where my brain went. Because I had Subway for lunch. If you want to give us subs every Sunday when we record, it'd be great. Um, Wouldn't Sebastian Shaw's power not allow him to put the quarter through his head? Uh, not if Professor X was accidentally, like, turning off his control of his mutant ability. Then wouldn't he explode with all the radiation? Or leak it all out? Or wouldn't, you know, if, he, if Professor X be just as responsible for the death of Sebastian Shaw as... He could totally could have turned it off. So, uh... Maybe at this point the energy had been expelled... Oh, because of the two times that he pushed him. Yeah, into he the pushed glass. him into yeah. glass. He was uh-huh. holding up that metal beam pretty heavy, too. I mean, I don't know. It's just trying to give reason to a shitty movie. Like, why was he. Where you see plot holes, they see dollar signs. Why like, was that's what it all comes down to. Old, and then he got young. Who? Sebastian Shaw. Because when he, absor- he can absorb the power and make himself younger, said in the movie. Yeah, but so he just let all his out, so he was like, I'm an old guy. Like, I, I don't get it. It doesn't matter. None of that movie mattered. Iron, nickel, and cobalt, and some alloys of rare earth metals. It could have been an alloy. Can can become magnetized. Uh, they were Soviets, so it's probably a mix brass, of a lot of stuff. That is true. Because they're not known for having the best shit in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh... So space magnets, so space, space metals. Space magnets do work when you use mutant yeah. electromagnetic abilities on them. We have learned that from this movie. Um, movie, movie. <laughs> Not the worst movie we've seen. No, no, it's definitely. It's I put it up there. But it is. I easily put it up there. It is an enemy of movies. It. Chris, you say you enjoy the nods to comic book fans, a little wink. I, I enjoy a wink and a nudge here and there. But this movie was shoving nerds over, like, like yeah, it was shoving please. them. It was shoving them over a press bed and just railing them. <laughs> or pushing it's them. It's like, I'm going to turn you into diamond. That's what it said. 
<laughs> or pushing them over a, uh, a a satellite dish. Pretty much. But horrible. I don't know. There's... What the fuck, Angel? Seriously? That's who we get? A mix of Pixie and... No, I'm there, guessing... there was another mutant named Angel during the uh, Grant Morrison New X-Men run. That's who she pretty much was. Oh. She was like the third person to go by Angel. Okay. She had mutant babies with, uh, what's his Beak. name? Beak, yes. I thought she was more freakish looking. No, she, no, got... she had like the fairy Yeah, she's had the wings. Hmm. But yeah, that's who they're kind of going for, but they kind of sauced her up a little bit. They kind of crossed her with uh, Stacy X, I think. Okay. Another scrub X-Men character that should never have anything to do with anything ever again. A scrub movie for a scrub X-Men. Uh, just... How is this getting decent reviews? Because everybody lost after they killed Nazis. Uh, yeah. I think that's about all we can say. Because that's now all we're we can just say. Like... I'm just getting bitter. I mean, uh, the Beast in X3 looked... He looked decent. Mm-hmm. Well, you're seeing an older Beast at that point, too, though. Yeah, he's, you know, he's grown into his nose. Just... I like the kid, the kid that played Human Beast. I thought he did a good job. Oh, I think so too. From Skins, is that what he's? I've never name? seen it. It's from a British show called. Yeah, I, I liked him. Um, even the girl that played uh, Mystique, I liked too. I thought she did pretty well. I don't like the look of Mystique. I never have in any of the movies. Yeah, the the, the well, scaly. Yeah. Otherwise, she's just <clears throat> a woman that's blue. You know, mm-hmm. I, with the long, red, I feel long like, hair, and that's what uh, what's his name said about her too, Brian uh, Singer. He's like, who's running from that? Yeah, you know. But I feel like it was just one of those things they kind of had to do something. Didn't you always like wear the skull in her hair? That scared me. I like blue chick, red hair, little skull in her hair. Yeah, maybe. I thought, what the fuck are you out I of don't here? understand why she had the Bajoran nose though. Like she <clears> now <throat> had a rich nose. Yeah. It's like okay. Uh... I don't know. I don't know, this movie's just bad. Plain and simple. Professor X mind-wiped all their movie reviewers before they left the theater. That's what we've been state for, the end credits. Afterwards, they don't come out and apologize. He just touches his head to his temple. His head to his temple? That is crazy. What is it? His his fingers to his head. He's just just like, oh yeah? Like that. (laughs) Just cocks it. Visual jokes. Audio <laughs> podcast, sorry. Mm-hmm. But yeah, horrible movie. So that, that was the other angel. Huh. So are we done with watching Fox movies doing Marvel? No, because movies? it gives us stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. And come on. Well, no, no, I'm asking like what... They know they're still trying to get Wolverine going again. But luckily, Hugh Jackman has like has to approve things before he'll do it. Yeah, I mean, he, I know he's one of the big producers on it. And uh, luckily, his, his, uh, we're, we're not spoiling. We're not spoiling. But uh, I think Hugh Jackman has the right to you know say whatever he wants about this movie. Yeah. So good for him. Uh, has he put? Has, has he naysayed it? I don't know if you watch the movie. Why can't we spoil this? Nobody should watch it, Chris. I know. I just some pe- some people will go see it, and that was probably one of the better parts of the movie. And I'm sure everyone can put it together. So, 
you can stop listening to us now. Um, you know the rest of the drill we'll go through at the end of the show. Um, no, I don't think anybody does that. They just keep listening and then they go, fuck those guys. <laughs> so, I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> no, okay, fine. We're not going to spoil it. <laughs> I don't know. The movie's already spoiled enough for them if yeah. they're going for it. So, it's... at least let them have that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> movie. So... Please remember to rate and review us over on iTunes. We need those ratings and reviews. Those are what get people to listen to the show. You don't want to be the only one listening, do you? No. No, you don't. No, you don't. Can, we're in the full swing, as we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, with the summer movie blockbuster bracket busters. You can check that out over at our website, bagandboard.com. As you know, we talk about a lot of movies at the beginning of the show. I'm just seeing this so I remember to look up stuff tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> next next week, another box from Japan full of goodies. And the movie review of Super 8. Super right? 8. J.J. Yeah. Uh, Abrams. And it has I, to be better than that abortion of a film. I'm already pissed at Super 8 just because of what they're doing at DC Comics. Oh, within the middle of your books? Oh, hate it. Yeah. But we've already talked about that. 